Welcome to this week's Fit for Purpose podcast. This week, we'll be talking to Professor Kath Mitchell, who is the Vice Chancellor of the University of Derby. Now, I first met Kath when she was chairing our Opportunity Area Board in Derby, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a lot during this podcast. But it's great to have you on, Kath. And latterly, of course, we've been working together on the Leveling Up goals and the University of Derby's role in its local community, but also its its local wider region. And perhaps that's a good place to start, um, Kath. Tell us a little bit about the sorts of students you have at Derby and the university. Okay, great to be part of the podcast. Um, So we have a very diverse student body. Um, But I think it's fair to say that we clearly have a very strong mission around social mobility. So a high proportion of the students come from what we would say um, the lower polar quintile in three and four in those Mm -hmm. terms and therefore have backgrounds where their parents have not been to university before or they've not really had any engagement with higher education before. We have large numbers of students that we would consider um, have also come from environments where there's very low progression in their their local vicinity of going to higher education. So we work in terms of our outreach, trying to, I suppose, encourage and also, I suppose, provide people with the right information about the value of not higher education, but of education. So Mm -hmm. many of our students will uh, not have had all of those sort of uh, experiences of either parents or even friends going to university. They'll be in communities where higher education and actually the value of education might not have been as strong as um, other parts of the country, but also often in very local neighbourhoods. They're very localised and therefore we have gone into areas where it is challenging to um, get into those communities. A big part of our work has been um, very local. So uh, as you said, uh, Derby is an opportunity area where that means that lots of young people hadn't been really reaching what we would consider their potential at school and therefore by default weren't really accessing higher education. But what we do see is when we do engage with these students and their families, there is a thirst for knowledge and there is also a desire to learn more about those opportunities. And so tell us a little bit about maybe first of all we'll come on to the opportunity area because obviously that's really important the work that you've been you've been very much shaping and leading have but on the work that the university itself does in practice, what does what form does that take? And, and you talked about going into some of those communities in particular where there's really not much of a sense of, of the chance of going to universities. Tell us about almost how you go about practically challenging some of those aspirations and, and then genuinely helping young people, maybe mature students, connect back up to that opportunity to, to study with you that's, that's in many cases on their doorstep. So I suppose I want to look at that in in two aspects. I suppose from the leader's perspective, what I would say around how the university goes about that is that we can talk about aspiration and and opportunity, 
but I suppose my own personal experience of working in the sector for quite a long time and in very different parts of that sector is that it's about choice. It's about giving people a choice. And at the moment, in the communities that we're talking about, there isn't a choice because, in a sense, they are slightly left behind in an, even seeing the opportunity and therefore not really being able to have that full aspiration. So what I would be saying in about the work that Derby does, and it does link to the opportunity area, is it was about making sure that some of those communities did have a choice. So there's two parts to that. There's the very early years of how do we get people mm -hmm. to understand what choice could look like? And then with the mature students that have almost missed that opportunity and then can come back and look at choice. So quite a lot of the work that we now do um, as a university in our outreach is actually working with primary schools. Mm -hmm. And so what we did find was that many of the young people that we were talking to, particularly when they were already reached sort of two years before um, GCSE, that they'd actually sort of disengaged already. They didn't really see uh, higher education or further education as an opportunity. So it switched a lot of the work that we've been doing in Derby over the last five years is how do we engage with the communities at primary level? And we've had some brilliant projects that have, in a sense, I think, changed community's view of what learning might be. So I suppose my concept is choice and learning, not just education. So working with organisations such as Royal Crown Derby and the academics and the primary schools, we've had some great projects about what does, what does it look like to work in ceramics in the future or what does mm -hmm. it look like to be creative? What does it look like to learn in a creative way? All of those things have encouraged not just the, the primary school children, but their parents to come and look what that looked like, the opportunities, and also not to be afraid to talk to academics and also teachers in those environments. So that for me was about how do you learn differently? How do you engage differently with some of those communities? That has had huge success. And now many of the schools, not beyond Derby City now, but many of the schools want to engage across the county and beyond in looking at, yes, that got people to want to learn differently and want to engage with schools differently. And I guess this very much ties with the wider work of the opportunity area that you were then obviously pivotal in, in helping to really get going. As I recall, when we, we um, first announced that Derby would be one of the opportunity areas, I think it's probably worth Kath, just explaining Derby and education, it, it's, a, it's a city that's got some great schools, but also some schools that find it a lot harder to have good education outcomes. And at the same time, I guess, there's the employer aspect. You've got some brilliant employers, but also people don't always connect up with those jobs locally, do they? No, so I, I do think it's interesting that a city that you would, you know, is recognised for being innovative, has some of the most global companies in Rolls-Royce and what um, in Toyota as part of that city and yet it has poor outcomes in terms of education for young people. As you said some amazing schools but really poor performance in many of the um, schools in terms of you know that whole journey from early years 
primary to secondary. And, and I think Derby for me actually exemplifies the importance of levelling up, because what you can see in the city is you there are opportunities and there are, um, I suppose, future opportunities. But there was a disconnect for me between how the young people were engaging with what those opportunities might look like for the future. So we could see that the diversity of the city and the diversity of the communities, there's two things for me, they didn't integrate well across the city. Mm -hmm. So um, we had a divide in terms of the diverse uh, communities, all almost pulling against each other. But I do think there was one moment in time for me that young people became very disengaged because I think there was always, I suppose, a concept of jobs for life in some of these large global companies that suddenly needed different skills. They needed digital skills. They needed people to be innovative. They needed people to think very differently. And they weren't just traditional jobs. And somehow what happened in Derby for me is that there was um, a lack of, I suppose, ambition in how we looked at the skills needs of the city and the region and how that integrated between the schools. So the working relationship between employers and schools mm -hmm. and the local needs seem to have got a disconnect. So, so almost the, the business has got used to bringing in talent from all over the place. Yeah, and once they've been able to do that, they yeah. could just, you know, that was that just became the status quo. So they didn't really need to engage as much, presumably, either with, with the local schools. Not at all. And so many of the schools then, you know, didn't have that, that positive, I suppose, relationship with um, future employment or future, mm -hmm. I suppose, education. So I think that disconnect did happen. Um, but, but I don't, you know, you can't say was it the schools, was it the employers, it happened. And in a sense, for me, the opportunity area has been absolutely fundamental in us rethinking the city and its educational programme, re-engaging uh, the communities into making sure that they are all engaged and understand what are the opportunities for their the young people. And there are, there are some clear um, pockets which we do absolutely need to work um, very hard on. So early years, we've had seen the most um, significant improvement from early years um, to the end of primary. We had some of the lowest uh, performance in school ready. So young, you know, mm -hmm. young children arriving at school, you know, not being able to, you know, undertake sort of basic um, uh, performances in terms mm -hmm. of holding knives and forks, in terms of how they ate and her, her, all of those fundamental components. The early years programme that we put in with the Opportunity Area is actually working with families and the schools in making sure that young people arrive at school ready to actually to want to, I suppose, learn and to be part of their communities. That's been fundamental. So we have seen at Derby Opportunity Area you know, one of the, for me, the best outcomes is performance in school outcomes. So ability to read, ability to uh, write and their maths learning from early years to the end of primary has, has seen 
significant improvements. So we're at least at average and in some of those areas above average. And that's across the city. So before we had clearly high performing schools, but in our city, we now know that in the measures that we've taken, particularly around phonics, particularly around programmes of engaging, as I said, like with employers, some mm -hmm. of our young people hadn't seen parents go to work. So that was really important to get parents and young mm -hmm. people engaged in some of those activities. And I suppose a fundamental piece was the, the programme called This Is Derby, which looked at sports and arts and creatives and employers and, you know, our big employers working together to put on activities that didn't feel, I suppose, pressured. Mm -hmm. They were environments yeah. where everybody could turn up. So, you know, uh, the University of Derby runs the theatre. Probably those events have seen the most diverse families, groups coming into our theatres mm -hmm. to watch their children. And I suppose I used to get quite worried that people thought that, you know, were parents aspirational enough for their children? Well, they are when they see what those opportunities are and how they can help. But if they don't know how to help or engage, that's where I think, for me, yeah. levelling up works really powerfully. We have to provide, in a way, paving uh, pave the way actually for parents to know how to engage, yeah. for young people to know how to engage. It becomes their choice then on where they they move forward to. But without choice, I do think that's for me where leveling up can't happen. Yeah, and it's about it's one thing showing people what better looks like. It's another thing them now understanding what the specific steps are that they can take. Yeah. to start moving their lives towards it and how do you feel you know you mentioned the the local employers steadily getting more more plugged into what you're doing and I know that's something that you're really focused on for the University of Derby as well as an institution tell us a little bit a little bit about that that nascent but well not more than nascent but that growing relationship um, that you've got with those local employers so I think, you know, there's, there's two sides to it for the university. One is, you know, as a university, and we need to play our part, I think, in a very civic role in how, you know, what we know is employers are constantly want new talent. And so I think the role that the university's played is how can we support those employers? And there's lots of ways universities can do that through working with their local enterprise groups, attracting funding, looking at how um, they work with government effectively through um, funding such as apprenticeship levy, how do we support SMEs? And so the role of the University of Derby has been very much around supporting SMEs. So with our, you know, um, our business school now has got a really clear working partnership with many of our SMEs. Mm -hmm. And um, clearly we've got the Help to Grow Fund from government, mm -hmm. which is one of the few universities that got to do that almost in getting businesses to understand some of the skills they did need to be not just be in the moment but also to be innovative and move forward so that's been a huge piece of work that the universities uh, played a role in that I think then allows employers to think okay how do then we get students from the University of Derby to work on that and that for me is a bit of a, a quid pro quo in that them giving students 
who haven't had probably huge opportunities of knowing how to engage with large businesses or how to, um, in a way, have the confidence to speak and be articulate in interview environments. That for me is now working with those businesses in quite a simulated way, getting them to take students for short periods of time, getting them to be more confident in how they engage with businesses. And I think that for me again is, I do think the opportunity area played quite a significant role in getting us all thinking of a holistic view of our region and also how then we would work with our graduates to both be ambitious enough to apply for some of those roles, because I think they were nervous, mm -hmm. and also to get industry to, I suppose, accept that, you know, they don't want just students from one type of institution. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I do think universities, and particularly for Derby, we've, we've, we do still see we have to work hard on that. We have to make sure that graduates are ready to have the soft skills that organisations need. And I think that, you know, organisations and businesses can teach them some of the very, you know, hard skills that they want and they are the innovative skills. But if you don't provide them with graduates that are um, open for change, that actually are happy to listen to, you know, feedback and also work collaboratively, then we're probably doing a disservice to those companies. Our SMEs now who, you know, do are the feed feeders for our large companies you know we are getting a lot of our students and graduates into both work experience and graduate jobs and I think that's filtering all the way through now into our you know our large global companies in the city skills though I think still still is quite an interesting word we all think we know what we mean by skills and I still think there's a disconnect in language between what we see at graduate schools and universities and what maybe industry is looking for. And I think mm -hmm. further work is needed to collaborate between universities and the uh, industry on what, what, do we, what are they really looking for? And some of that universities cannot create the one graduate that one company wants. <laughs> I think, you know, and I think that sometimes gets a bit of an issue in that we've got to create, you know, open-minded, um, I think innovative graduates that can fit into organisations, but they're not going to be identical. And I suppose that's the difference I would say, having worked in Europe, graduates from European universities were expected to have certain graduate skills, but the industries really knew how to hone in on what they had to do when they got a graduate mm -hmm. and the skills they'd have to train them on. And I still think there's a piece of work between industry and universities in the UK that we still need to work hard on. I think that's spot on. And in a sense, you've got this, this pipeline of talent and it starts off in early years and schools. And then you've got these risk moments really. And one is already an area that universities work on really, really carefully, which is this transition from the school sector, you know, college into higher education. And there's obviously a huge amount of focus on that. But I think the other time when there's a risk on that transition is when you're leaving the higher education sector and then actually taking your first steps, you know, possibly in a career after you graduate. And I think it's now striking how I think how much further to go there is on understanding that transition. And if you like the relative role 
roles between what a university can do versus what the business's role is as well. And, and I think it's it's absolutely something that I, I know lots of universities are now focused on, but, but I'm sure that in time, I think there'll be every bit as much knowledge about how to do this well as there, as there is around access and participation now already. But I suppose we're grateful to you on that, Justine, because I think you have highlighted that with you know, fit for purpose and how you're looking and working with, in, with industries because we do need brokers. And I think, you know, that that role that you're playing for me is really valid and important and also gets both industry and universities to reflect on what that looks like. You know, our conversations have already made me look very differently about our preparation for graduates. Mm -hmm. So quite a lot of it has probably been optional. And I don't think in a university that, you know, fundamentally believes in social mobility, quite a lot of that can be optional anymore. And so we're now looking at this can't be an optional approach because in a sense, what you end up with is students that um, have anxiety. So, you know, we now run maths anxiety courses. One of the biggest things that often stops students going into some of their future jobs is mm -hmm. they still have educational anxieties that we should have just got rid of whilst they're at university. Mm. So your approach, your I think intelligence on how to work more effectively and collaboratively, not just, you know, for connections, but actually getting us to think deeper and harder about that transition out from universities mm -hmm. rather than the, the degree being the end point has made me as a, a leader and now my institution, you know, we're doing now a complete review of what do we mean by the concept of employability from the eyes of industry and getting industry to tell us how we can make that connect so you know I think you know that for me has been fundamental in the next stage in how Derby is going to be working and it's it's amazing to hear and also you know you will have some innovation and solutions that others can learn from and I think that's why it's been fantastic having you involved Kath because you can bring all of that experience that in a sense you got through doing this quite innovative approach that we had on opportunity areas and then as you, you say now now bite off a different bit of the pipeline which is people finally moving into careers and I think certainly from my perspective on the work we were doing you know original social mobility pledge and and, and on the leveling up goals I think it is about you. It is about businesses having a different sense of where they fit in, and if you like, the value that they can unlock by being prepared to think more strategically and work with an institution like Derby, because you have a huge amount of talent under your roof that you are educating, and if you can together almost bridge that other gap, as in what's the capacities and the skills that people need to to get that brilliant first step on the career ladder then I think it starts to get really exciting for me because it, that's good for employers, but it's, it's really good for, for your students. I mean, I think one of the things that, um, you know, having, you know, been involved in the conversations and, you know, following the Social Mobility Pledge was, you know, we do have a lot of mature students. If you look at many of the graduate training schemes, they didn't look at mature students. And so one of the pieces of work we're just starting looking at with our university uh, hospital trust you know you know one of the, the second largest trusts in the country 
huge opportunity and actually often want mature um, staff to mm -hmm. be working within their environment. But if we looked at, you know, how many people were applying to their HR departments, to their, um, you know, their estates departments from the university, clearly we train nurses for them and we have a very diverse nurse, nursing um, uh, body. But in terms of the whole um, organisation, you know, I've now got the two HR teams working and looking at what are those opportunities, mm -hmm. because it is really interesting that there are very few mature students that go on into any graduate training scheme. And I think that that's also uh, missing some, you know, vibrancy and quality that they could get, you know, into their organisations with very different, I think, outlooks on how to move at pace. Yeah, I think that's spot on. And I think one of the things that has struck me about, I guess, policy development, but just generally people's senses that it, it still is 18 year olds who've just done an A-level or set of A-levels and going into university. And the reality is that actually people studying at higher education institutions around the country, including Derby, are really much more mixed from that. Some of them will have done other exams and other courses, not just A-levels like BTECs. Others will be, you know, much more mature students um, returning back from having had some time in a career. And of course, if you look at other other degrees you might do or other other studying you know when I was doing my I did a, an MBA and actually a big part of learning on that particular course is from the experience of other people who are on the course it, it's absolutely yeah. fundamental to being able to to kind of get the most out of your course it's not all just about a textbook so having those mature students under you know under the roof and, and part of those courses is actually not just brilliant for them it's a big part of how you can provide a more rounded experience. And, and I'm going to guess, Kath, going back to our earlier conversation on skills and capacity and all of that other employability stuff, probably something that does push other, perhaps younger students to think about what they need to do to be employable and, and to learn from some of those skill sets that more mature students already have. I mean, hugely. And I, I do think that mix in, in, you know, the learning environment is is really rich. And I think it really does. It is incredibly supportive, particularly, I think, on some of our, you know, very applied programmes like social work and, you know, our, all of our health programmes. That mature mix, I think, is very valuable, but also to the employers and you know, that give us the placements. I think they very much value that getting that richness that they can also benefit from. But I suppose for me, it does come back to though, that concept of choice. Many of our mature learners didn't have the choice initially. Mm -hmm. And actually for me, the, the whole, you know, reskilling and the opportunity that we need, industries need different skills now, does give us a moment in time for mature students to come back and have that choice, but also be at a, a you know a really high skill level moving back into their workplace if it's they had to change or they need um you know to reskill and i think for me that you know places like derby understand what reskilling might look like it might mm -hmm. have been that you know they had to you know change um from very i suppose um diff different outlooks in life but i do think that richness of um a diverse student body particularly around mature and young learners together is really, really valuable and valid because they do bring a richness of 
what it's like in the real world mm. to that employment environment. Um, I'm not sure it's always been you know, massively positive if they're all changing, but I think they do bring a richness that um, for me is very valuable, particularly um, in a university like Derby. And talking about careers, it's probably a good time to, to sort of finally talk about your own career, Kath, and your own journey, because I'm, I'm going to guess, as we've talked about in the past, you know, not many people set out with an aspiration to become the vice chancellor of a university. So tell us a little bit about the journey that you've taken, maybe, and where you started and, and, and the decisions you've made that end, mean you end up in this, you know, absolutely plum role where you can make such a difference now. Well, I, I, you know, I was a very traditional student. I went to university. Um, I wasn't the most organised of students, actually. <laughs> and so, but um, I worked hard. So, and I was at York and at the end of my degree, the, I was really, really lucky. And I think sometimes there are, there is luck. I mean, I probably did work hard, but there was a bit of luck mm -hmm. in that the Wellcome Trust decided to launch a scholarship scheme for PhD students. And, and what, are your, what had your degree been in, Kat? So my degree was psychology. So I did a mm -hmm. BSc psychology mm -hmm. and York was very experimental. So it was, you know, an experimental psychology degree. So, um, you know, although generalist, but it, it was probably much more quantitative research and very research driven. So um, and they had these 10 fellow scholarships and um, one of my tutors said to me, would you like to apply for one? And I said, OK. I don't think I was that focused on what I really wanted to do. And so mm -hmm. I was really lucky um, that um, I had to go and find uh, two uh, sponsors. And I ended up being sponsored by uh, the Institute of Psychiatry at King's by a very famous guy, Jeffrey Gray, who had written, had written loads of books on anxiety, but they were just starting out doing neurotransplantation. Mm -hmm. And so it was in the very first stages of, you know, breaking through on cell regeneration. And I literally did have to almost reteach myself an undergraduate degree because I, I hadn't done cell biology. I hadn't done lots of the work that was required in this thesis. So I used to have to go in the evenings to Queen Square to uh, almost uh, do a a degree I did a master's sort of on the side I didn't do the qualification but in the days when you could just go and sit in lectures <laughs> so I had to go and sit in lectures and and almost train myself on wow. all of this cell regeneration so I was really really lucky I got had a brilliant time at King's very privileged I then won a welcome fellowship and I was able to travel so I worked with uh, one of the most, uh, you know, a Nobel Prize winner in Paul Greengard in New York, and I worked in Chicago. And what I sort of realized was how privileged I was in that environment, because it didn't feel massively privileged. You were just working and you were with these mm -hmm. you know, very, very clever people. And then I took a career break. I had my children and we went and lived in Switzerland and I worked a little bit in Switzerland and then I came back and I decided oh I needed to get uh, some lecturing and we live in Berkshire and I applied to the local university for me which my most local one was actually at the time Thames Valley in Slough mm -hmm. and completely different than King's and Rockefeller Institution in New York <laughs> yeah University of Chicago 
and in a sense it was sort of a a, a changing that i realized that i did have really clever students in my classes mm -hmm. but they didn't have the same opportunities and it was a really you know transformational moment i then worked for the next 10 years at tvu um, it changed into the University of West London. We did huge transformation. Mm -hmm. But what it was about for me was always that, how do we, how do we offer a communities, you know, in the, these uh, more disadvantaged areas, the same opportunity that I had. And, and I still want that, I didn't realize probably at the time how the opportunity I had through staff that were passionate about their discipline, were passionate about their research, and they were passionate about the opportunities for their students. And that for me is how I run Derby. I want that every student has that same opportunity for success. Whether they take it or whether they don't take it, then it is a choice for me. But I need to make sure that we can have choice into the organisation so people can make that choice and we have choice out of that organisation. Uh, you know, I was privileged because I didn't come from a, you know, an affluent background. But what I did realise is I came from a background that valued education. Mm -hmm. And I think, therefore, me taking opportunities was always part of, of how I'd, you know, seen education. Mm -hmm. And some of that is how do we create through the opportunity area that there is an advantage through knowledge and learning. There's always an advantage because actually, for me, knowledge and learning gives you pace to make decisions and opportunities to make decisions. And I suppose that's what I believe is my role as being the Vice Chancellor at the University of Derby. And if you were giving advice, Kath, to a sort of younger Kath, maybe, you know, still at school, as you said, little bit disorganized at time but fundamentally tons of potential what advice would you give yourself so what i would say is that i you know i took every opportunity i could so i would always say if somebody offers you an opportunity and it feels a little bit scary take it because actually what i didn't realize probably was that i was you know people that are more confident might not be might, might not have the right skills all of the time and so I literally was really clear that you take every opportunity you know someone asked me to go to Kenya and it was like you know my mum didn't want me to go and and I can remember going to say to her but when will I ever get an opportunity to go to Kenya again and you know she then said okay go we you know um but I I sort of think that it is always take the opportunities however big however small you know if someone says to you come and yo please come and look at our um you know company lots of people don't follow through on those things what i would say would say is people offer and they are really really um true often when you then follow through on that offer and they will always i think support you if you then have i suppose the you know both the confidence and also, I think, the commitment to follow through on an offer. That would be my biggest advice. 
it's really, really powerful advice. And I, and I think your journey very much shows that sometimes you just have to take these opportunities because you just don't really know where they're going to lead. But actually, you know, you can be setting off down a, a path that's really going to be a big thing and shape your life further ahead, which is fantastic. Look, Professor Kath Mitchell, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the podcast um, it's so brilliant being able to work with you a second time, not just through the Derby opportunity area, but now through all the levelling up goals work. I think the University of Derby has such a key role to play on levelling up. So brilliant that you're part of this. And I hope that's been a really fascinating podcast for people to, to listen to. So thank you for, for doing it with us. Okay, and great to work with you, Justine. Thank you so much.